<laughs> Could you hear that, dear listener? <laughs> Our dog was licking herself. Oh, you know what? Goodness. Let's move past it. Let's <laughs> let's get into the episode. Welcome, Thirteenth Floorier, to this week's episode of the Thirteenth Floor. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. Yeah, that's us. We're here. This week we're talking about some cryptids. Oh yeah. yeah. Tales from the cryptid. Tales from the cryptid. Ooh, I like we're talking that. about yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the bun yip ma'am lombo and the bear lake monster. This topic was submitted to us by at Kaiju Groupie 54. So What's thank up? you at Kaiju Groupie. Yeah. That's it. That was his uh born name. Yes, that's his given name. What's on his birth certificate? <laughs> James, how have you been? Been good. Things have still been quiet thanks to, uh, you know what, El Quarantino. Yep. Shh, shh, James, just don't mention it. Don't mention anything about it. Yeah. We're just, it, you know what, this is just the norm now. Just staying at home. I went to Target today and I wore a face mask mm-hmm. and I was the only one wearing a face mask. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Well, James, I'm happy to hear that you're doing well. We're just Alex did some yard work today, and we found a frog. I saw that on our on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we found a frog on our. He's still there. Yeah, he's still there. Nice. Terror, <laughs> scared out of his mind, probably. Yeah, Alex almost. I probably almost killed him with some hedge trimmers. Yeah. But you didn't, thank God. Probably not. I've named him Rocky. <laughs> All right, you guys. <laughs> Do we have a icebreaker for the week? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, you know what? I got one. I got oh, got oh one. good, good, James. I'm going to go. Cece, uh, <laughs> when you go on your topic, I know I'm going to bring up something that happens to just correspond a little bit with heraldry. So if if you were like part of some, if you started your own like noble, you know, those who fight, those who, who rule kind of class, and you had like a, an emblem, what animal would be on your like shield or flag or whatever? Oh. Okay, that's, ooh, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be starting any groups anytime soon. What? But maybe, may, maybe <laughs> a, I'm trying to think of something that's fierce, but also sweet. It can be fictional too. <laughs> my, my mind I was is. Gonna have, okay, mine's going to be a velociraptor. There you okay. go. Alex? Yeah, Alex, that makes sense for you. I could totally yeah, see just Alex. Just think about how terrifying. Like, like, I would sell everybody on that we would actually have. A, a velociraptor? velociraptor? Yeah. Nice. Alex does a really good velociraptor impression. <laughs> Alex, do you want to do it for all of our <clears throat> listeners? <clears throat> we we could try. Um, you put me on a spot. I yeah. haven't done it in like a couple of years. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> and this is from one particular sound. <laughs> what in the world? It's when they're in the kitchen and they're talking to each other. Jurassic Park. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Oh dear. Dear, uh, I think that mine would be a honeybee. Oh. I don't know. I just Fierce like honey- and sweet. So literally sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Honeybee would be on mine because they're also, I don't know, when you see a honeybee, I just think of, you know what? That is a very classy insect. Is that so? Yeah. Yeah. So honeybee for me. Cool. What about you, James? Uh, you know, 
even though I'm not like particularly interested in this animal, I just think boars like on flags are cool. Boars are cool. Boars. Yeah, boars. Boars. You know what? Mm-hmm. I could see a boar on your flag. Yeah. I could. I remember Alex, what was that? Because you told us once a, a story about a pig. You heard a pig out in the wilderness. Well, yeah, that was James's story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. my story. Yeah, and you heard it and it said, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah. well, I think that those are all fitting animals. Maybe Alex can <clears throat> get back on the Twitter, the Twitter <laughs> game, and ask everybody all of our. Ten followers, what they would put on there. Yeah, someone on my other podcast, Twitter, commented and made fun of me for my participation. Yeah. In the, well, Alex <laughs> in tweeted. The 13th floor Twitter. He tweeted from the 13th floor Twitter and was like, hey, I'm going to get back on here. And then like two months later, somebody tweeted and said, oh, you really got back on here because Alex hadn't posted anything since. <laughs> Not posted one thing. So thank oh, you for man. listening. But, but if you do want to follow the 13th floor, you can do so on our Facebook page or on our Instagram. I need to get better with Instagram because I've, I've been so just like – you know how you know how it is. Yeah. We're all just kind of in a fluff right now. But I need to get back on there. Maybe I'll maybe I'll draw a picture of the Mam Lambo. Yeah. I'll post it. Mm-hmm. And before I guess before we get to the end, I just want to tell all, all you beautiful listeners out there, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy this podcast, if you have a friend who you think would give a great answer for what animal would you put on your flag, tell them about our podcast. Just tell them to listen. Send them, the, send them an episode. You yeah. know, fun stuff. The more, the merrier. You've got plenty to choose from. Yeah. So I guess, I think it's time to hop on into the topic. What do you guys think? I'm ready. Oh, I'm finishing a tweet from the 13th floor oh. Twitter oh. account right now. Oh. Uh, I don't have time to be bothered with this podcast. Okay. Well, <laughs> James, do you want to go first this week? I think in this case, I should probably go last because I. I think I'm going to ramble too much, and I need time constraints. Okay, <laughs> all right. Theory. So so, so then, Alex, how about you go first? Sure. I'll go second. Yeah, fine. I just won't do that one tweet I was going to do this month. James will top us off. Top us, us off. off. Towel us off. You guys did this last time. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did. All right, Alex, tell us about the Bear Lake Monster. Yes, the Bear Lake Monster. Located... On the border of Idaho and Utah. Utah. That's where the, yeah, that's where the Bear Lake is. Yeah. And maybe the monster. (laughs) (laughs) So the the monster was actually first written by this guy named Joseph C. Rich. He was this Mormon colonizer. You didn't even have to say he was a Mormon just with that name. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, Yeah, and he's that. Rich is a. Actually, there's a rich county now. Yeah. Oh, after him? Mm, yes. Man. So, five years after they began colonizing this area, Joseph wrote an article in 1868 about how a local Indian tribe had a reoccurring monster that crept up every now and then. Hmm. And that recently, several people had spotted not one, but ten different monsters ten? in the lake at one time. Like, in one instance, there was Ten different Are they monsters. Just having a monster party? Monster, monster party. Mesh. A monster mash. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's right. And so actually the title of this article is actually Monsters 
of Bear Lake. So Ooh. monsters. So you're just talking, are you just talking about <clears throat> one monster or are you talking about all the monsters? Well, yes and no to all of this. <laughs> because over time it's been distilled down into monster, but all the sightings describe the monster in very different ways. So Rich, when he interviewed the Native Americans, he said that, this is from his article, the Indians say there is a monster animal that lives in the lake that has captured and carried away Indians while in the lake swimming. But they say it has not been seen by them for many years, not since the buffalo inhabited the valley. They represent it as being of a serpent kind, but having legs about 18 inches long, Mm. on which they sometimes crawl out of the water a short distance on the shore. They also say it spurts water upwards out of its mouth. Ooh. Yeah. Which is a little bit different than what a lot of the sightings are. So, sometimes they say they see the long serpent. Someone even claimed they saw the long serpent from three miles away. Mm. Like, there was this guy. That's a big he serpent. Lives, <clears throat> he, he lives six miles away from this lake. He was about halfway there when he saw something in the water. He thought it was a man drowning. But as he got closer, he saw Serpent the monster. Serpent monster. So, so, so he was three miles away, Which is, and he thought he saw someone drowning from right? three miles. That's away. That's what I thought. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, you must have, you must be coming from an elevated spot. Now, I wish I looked up pictures of Bear Lake to see if, like, maybe you'd be walking down a hill from really, really, really far away and be able to see, like, what's that little tiny thing yeah, in the no. distance? Yeah. It must be a dead man. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I know. I saw that three miles away, and I was like, "No, oh. yeah, flipping eagle-eyed yeah. Joe out there looking at the lake." And some people have claimed that they've seen like thirty feet of it sitting at the top of the water, and just, it's not even all just of it. Basking in the sun, yeah, like this, back. yeah. This thing is supposed to be massive, hmm. massive. Yeah. So, other descriptions of it make it sound like something out of Jurassic Park, and actually, if you look it up on Google. It's going to look like this thing with like a crocodile type head and fins on the back. What? Oh, it sounds C- familiar. C- C- yeah, <laughs> it does sound familiar, right? Mm. Uh, but it, and then it also has like this long tail. And the descriptions vary from sometimes it's 40 feet long, sometimes it's uh, maybe it was actually 50 feet long, or maybe it was a lot shorter. Uh, no one knows. 14 feet long? 40 feet, sorry. 40 feet long. No, I was asking, could it be shorter by 14 oh. feet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it could. Mm. And the the reports just vary so much that maybe this actually supports the idea of it being the monsters of Bear Lake. So it could be mo- multiple monsters. Yeah, like some of them say that the thing came on land and moved like a freight train. Like, it was so mm. fast. If it had, okay, well, I want to know how thick are its little 18 inch legs. Like, I know, right? I, a I, tiny picture, little leg. I picture the, <laughs> these really <laughs> tiny, useless legs oh, on this man. thing. But some of the descriptions make it sound like it's taller than that if well, it gets out of land. Like, but you do need to remember that this is years and years before Nessie. Yeah. This is the original Nessie. This is well. This um, we'll see. I got curious because I, I thought, like, well, what kind of, how could it even survive? So I looked up Bear Lake. 
Bear Lake is six and a half million acres. Oh. That's a couple acres. Yeah. I mean that bear in what? mind that's bear in mind that's like volume. That's not like just the surface. I'm just saying that's okay. that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh that's still that's a lot of space <laughs> for a monster, so <laughs> Yeah, and apparently uh, there's reports of the monster appearing elsewhere near in nearby lakes, leading some people to think that there's tunnels in between mm. that it's I able could, to travel through. I can see that. And so it's made several appearances in other areas. Oh. Yeah, yeah but it always somehow looks different, too. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, there are really sporadic sightings on this thing. Like, there was a bunch when this article first came out back in the mid-1800s. Mm-hmm. But since then, sightings have kind of died down. The last one was in 2002. Ooh. And the one before that was, I think, about 1946. And it was there's, by a, a, there's a lot of space there's in big, the There's big gaps in the sightings of this thing. Now, that didn't stop the area from really making this a tourist destination. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, They've got boats that are made to look like the Bear Lake monster that people can ride on Bear Lake. Yeah. I'm sure they've that wouldn't got, count for any sighting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> they've got... Uh, they, it, it, it's it's horrible. It's like someone made it out of paper. Well, that's what it's it, pretty hilarious. Alex showed it to me. It looked like one of those like parade floats that you'd see. Well, it's funny that you say parade float because they actually do parade floats oh. each year. And the, parade, the float says... The real monsters of Bear Lake. And it's got the Bear Lake monster, but then kids write it. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty funny. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) But the thing that's kind of, I think, hurt the most, the, I guess, the tourist industry and maybe the sightings, is that 26 years after the big 10 monster sighting and after years and years of writing about this and Joseph going out and trying to help catch it at various different places. Well, 26 years later, Joseph admitted in a quote, <laughs> it was a wonderful first class lie. Oh. <laughs> that, was, that was the quote. <laughs> well, Joseph. <clears throat> so that would explain <laughs> maybe some of the sightings dying down. <laughs> now, they've really tried to capitalize still on the touristiness of it since then, but... That's rude. It's pretty bad. That's rude. I mean, people really came up with plans. They were they were running cable down to the bottom of the lake and tying it to a tree, hoping to catch this thing. Like, it was, people were really probably pretty mad about this at the end of it. Yeah, I would be. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So it's so what you're saying is it's safe to go swimming in Bear Lake. Not according to the people that have seen it since. There's been about in the early night 1920s to 1946 or so, there was like four or five sightings. So people are still mm. seeing this thing that may or may not be there. Huh? You never know. Maybe he's there, maybe he's not. It's a lot of water. Boop. <laughs> is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. All right. Okay. Okay. I just don't like listening to myself click on the keyboard. 
so I'd try to make noises to cover that up. Okay. All right. So, guys, today I am talking about Mamlambo. And I got my research from a website called cryptids with a Z dot fandom dot com. <laughs> Cryptopia.us and some supposed Reuters articles posted on a website that was web.ncf.ca. <laughs> <laughs> so the the premier website. It said that they were from the star in Johannesburg, which is a paper, which okay. is real. Sure. So, anyways, back to Mamalambo, you guys. The reason we're here. So, Mamlambo. And this is actually a cryptid straight out of South Africa. I don't think... Have we ever done a cryptid in Africa before? I don't believe we have. Yeah. Well, here you go. Here's your cryptid in Africa. He's said to be within the... And you know, you know I can't pronounce things. So, I'm going to try my best. Minstlava River, a.k.a. the Umzimhlava River. And this is specifically in the Mount Alif region. Can you click on the Zencaster? You've... uh... I've what? You've you've finally like found a place where you don't struggle with the words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Well, stories go back centuries according to local folklore, but there was a significant incident that revolved around Mam Lambo that happened not long ago in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna talk about it in a little while, but first let's dive into what exactly Mambi, which is what I'm going to call him, because <laughs> it's shorter, is. Was his mom shot by Hunter? <laughs> <laughs> thinking that, man. Uh, Possibly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But Mambi, he's like a little fishy reptilian kind of a guy or girl. I don't know. But they're said to be, it's said to be 67 feet long with big old fish lips and a mouthful of gnarly sharp teeth. And some people say that it looks like a snake. Some people say it's got stubby little legs, a oh. crocodilian torso, oh. a snake-like neck, and a horse-like head. Wow. So all of the sightings kind of differ according to who's seen it. Hmm. And some also say he's bioluminescent, that he glows green cool. at time. Yeah. And the locals refer to him or her, remember, as the brain sucker. The brain sucker? The brain sucker. You know, what they rec- you know what they refer to? The beast of... Or, sorry, the monster of Bear Lake. What? Isabella. Isabella. It won a a voting contest in 1996. Wow. Well, do you guys want to know why they call Mam Lambo the brain sucker? Uh, Does it suck brains? It sucks your brains out. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. That's pretty uh, cool. Was really good at trivia or something. Well, first he actually eats your face off, and mm. then he gets to the brains. And beware! I really like this monster. Oh, <laughs> if you make eye contact with him, he's said to have these mesmerizing, green, glowing eyes. Yeah, and when you look in them, they hypnotize you, and then you just walk over to him. He's like, ah! eat. Ooh. Yeah. You know what's like funny? You're having a good time with this. If anybody else was narrating this, you would be getting scared. <laughs> I know, I know. That's a good point, James. <laughs> <sighs> well, I I just picture for some reason when I was writing this. I just pictured him like sucking people's because they call him the brain sucker, sucking brains through a straw. James, what just happened? Did well, you just talk J- your microphone? I over? did. There it was. There it was. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna let James recollect himself. 
Are you are you okay, James? I'm good. <laughs> okay, all right. So, anyways, now that we've gotten that past us, I think. Well, I was thinking about this, and I think that out of all of us, James would be like, he'd be the one. See the glowing green in the distance. What's that? <laughs> Walk over to it, and then he would just oh, be. Oh man, he'd be gone. Mm. I would turn the other way. I'd run the other direction. And Alex, I think that you might, you might be like, what's up? <laughs> You'd be like it too. Thanks. Yeah, but some natives say that Mambi is a predator of the, I don't know how to say this. I was going to say, it eats Josie. people's faces off, so it probably is a predator. Yeah, predator, but they think that he might be part of the Josie tribal mythology. Mm-hmm. And I read in some places it might be Zulu culture, and I'm not sure if the Zulu and Josie are similar. Yeah. But according to the folklore, it said that anyone brave enough to battle Mambi and survive would basically become a legend themselves. And Mamlambo brings you lots of wealth. So if you beat him, you get a lot of money. That's actually how James got his everlasting life. (laughs) 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 So let's get into that incident that happened in 1997. In late April, 1997 reports of a monster started to spread around B show Bishow in the Eastern Cape of South Africa. And they said that a half fish, half horse monster had gobbled up at least nine victims or so said South African official Ezra Siguela per Reuters, which is the, the news article that I found. Wait a minute. All, all, all these sightings are increasing. Uh, in 1997, that's the same year Anaconda came out. Mm. Oh, Anaconda? I don't know if they had it in this village, though, because there apparently was no power. Siguela was told of the Mam Lambo by several villagers, including a prominent community leader. So Siguela believed himself that the story was real, and he organized a hunt, apparently. Mm. I couldn't find any information on the hunt that was carried out, so I don't know if they actually found anything. I'm that guessing means they all died. Who knows? They could have. Mm. I did th- find a- an episode of Destination Truth, Starring host Josh Gates, and they tried to track down Mam Lambo in 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I found a website called destinationtruth.fandom.com <laughs> that recapped <laughs> the entire episode. Yeah. Down to the very tiny bitty parts that aren't even about the investigation. Like I was reading through the, the description, and one of those recaps said, quote, at 4.55 p.m., the team's Jeep is running out of gas, so they headed to the nearest gas station, which closes in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Riveting. And after filling the car up, the team heads to the town of Krokstad. And this is where they, they did. They found a, a tiny little hotel there. But Josh then meets with park ranger Div de Villiers, who led the task force. The ranger informed Josh the monster usually comes out during storms. And mm-hmm. so it was, it, uh, seriously, like this recap was like, boom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. I was like, man, good job, Destination Truth. I want, a mom, I want a mom Lambo movie. This sounds horrifying. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, it taps into something that's kind of universal. I mean, it's a fish horse, and that's it goes right back to that Halloween special we did where we talk about liminal beings. Fish horses, man, they're everywhere. They're everywhere in mythology. You got hippocampus, you got kelpies, which I think we talked about in another episode briefly. Um, uh, I mean, it's it's something you see everywhere. That's what made me think of the the heraldry thing is because the hippocampus is on a lot of like you know flags and stuff. 
because it's everywhere. Just about every Western civilization has some kind of equivalent. Uh, I mean, heck, just a couple years ago, I think it was 2017, we named, uh, no, it was last year. That's right. Uh, we named, they discovered a new moon on Neptune, or well, a new moon of Neptune. And that was like in 2013, and they, they didn't know what to name it, so they called it Hippocamp last year. Like, it's it's a huge part of our, our, our kind of the universal culture. What's more interesting, really, is that I've never heard of a horse-fish uh, combo outside of Western civilization. So to see, like, an African analog is kind of interesting. But It is. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, there. I mean, there are a lot of yeah. a lot of speculation as to what he really is, but yeah. well, hippopotamus—that's uh, another one. You know, like the Romans, yeah. they were like, "What is that?" They, you know, when they first found out about, out about hippos, they were like, "That's the hippocampus." They were like, "That's totally <laughs> what it is." So yeah. Wow. Well, just a uh, spoiler for the episode of Destination Truth. <laughs> they did not find <laughs> the Mamlongo. <laughs> But they, you know, every time they have these like TV shows that are on like the Travel Channel or whatever channel it's on, I don't even know. Mm. But they always have that like, oh, what's that? And then cut to commercial break. Right. Oh, I saw something out there. So they did that a couple times. But the, um, you know, if people are sticking with shows like that, I mean, good for you. Like, yeah, being cons- disappointed every week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what's interesting though about Man Lambo? A lot of they- fortitude. <laughs> They say that Mam Lambo gives you wealth, so maybe he just paid off the crew. He's like, you didn't see uh, nothing. <laughs> Turn those cameras off. Well, apparently, <laughs> when they went to go see him for the first day of the investigation, there were storms off in the distance. Because remember, he comes out during storms, or so mm. everybody says. And then there's a tornado. They see a tornado out. And so he's like, get to the tent. And then everyone goes to the tent, and they call and help, and they get ushered away. Mm. But then on their second day, they also didn't find anything. So, Mam Lambo. Why so, did they go to the tent? They should have been out there in it. In the in the tornado. Yeah. Uh, do they want to see Mom Lambo or not? Exactly. Yeah, he's got to be committed. Well, I was thinking if he really glows green, he would have really been glowing green during that tornado. You mm, know what I mean? Probably. You know, if he comes out in storms and he glows green, I'm thinking he's Foxfire. You know, Foxfire. Yeah, you know, uh, no, Ignis Fatuous. James. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yes. Thank you for clarifying, James. Oh, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man. Well, <laughs> um, Saint Elmo's fire. Saint Elmo's fire. Not the movie. Oh, okay. Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you guys know what? Well, Saint local Elmo's fire, police. Right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I know what that is. Okay. Local police claim that the victims of Mambi are actually just victims of drownings, which mm-hmm. is really sad because there were some very young victims, which is horrible. Did they have their brains? Well, the Mits- well I'll tell you about that in a second. Mm-hmm. The Mitslava River swells during the wet season, but all the bodies are said to be pretty torn up, right? No brains. Oh, yeah. oh, police say that the disfiguration is not caused by Mambi, but instead by river crabs. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. In the Reuters article, there's a quote by a guy named Captain G. Muzuko with the local police. And he says this of the victims remains, quote, I have seen some of the bodies of the so-called monsters victims. They had all been in the water for some time. And as is often the case, river crabs had eaten away the soft parts of the faces and throats. In one case, the crabs were still clinging to the body when it was brought in. As far as we are concerned, these were cases of drowning, plain and simple, end quote. 
still, the locals claim that Ma'am Lambo is out there. And a lot of them, they say, you know, we're teachers, we're educated, we know what this thing is, our minds are not, we're not going crazy, this right. thing actually exists. So I like, I don't know, just based upon how many people said that they'd seen it, mm-hmm. I think that there's something out there that's just not very easy to see. But some people actually believe that it could possibly be an elasmosaur, dinosaur. Mm. Elasmosaur. Yeah. It's kind of like a plesiosaur. But they were around about 80.5 million years ago. Wouldn't that be crazy if one was still swimming around? It'd have to yeah. be a real champ, wow. that's for sure. Yeah, it'd be a real champ. So anyways, that is Ma'am Lambo. Nice. Mm, I like Ma'am Lambo. Yeah, he's interesting. <laughs> James. James. You're talking about the bunyip? I'm talking about the bunyip, which is one of my new favorite words. It almost sounds like either some sort of chewing tobacco or some sort of mythical Easter creature. But uh, before I even get into the bunyip, I'm kind of going to have to give a little primer on Aborigine beliefs because it's pretty important to at least graze that subject. And that's mm-hmm. also why I wanted to go last because I knew like if I went first, I would just talk for like 45 minutes. So, um, cause Aborigine mythology is one of the most interesting things I've ever encountered. And it's, it's also one of the hardest to understand. It is just, it's so far removed from any other mythology that it's just, I don't know. It's almost like trying to understand an alien religion. I mean, I'm dead serious. So there's two really yeah. important things that's pretty universal in Aborigine mythology. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different beliefs, a lot of different groups all over Australia. It's very important to remember the Aborigines have been in Australia for a long time, long, long time, prehistoric. And Australia is very big. So a lot of beliefs have developed independently, and yet there are some commonalities. And there's two big, important commonalities. And the first is the dream time. The dream time is probably, I would say, the cornerstone of the entire belief system that you will see in every Aborigine group. And even, I mean, this is exactly what I, what I mean when I say it's difficult to explain. So the dream time is not something that happened in the past and ended. It's still technically happening. It's a continuum, but it's more linked to the past than the present or the future. So during the dream time, there was nothing but spirit. There was nothing but ethereal, non-material things. <laughs> so, I mean, think about that. There were right. things, but they weren't made out of matter. They were made out of spirit. And during this period, spirits called ancestors made everything. They made the, the rivers and the water holes and the, the mountains and the plants and the people and the animals. And they gave those people their cultural uh, necessities, their totems, their dreams, which is why it's called dream time, um, you know, marriage rituals. Funerary rites. These were all created by the ancestors before physical creation. And then that was sort of a catalyst for that which we see and, and perceive to be reality now. So, again, it's like a continuum. It loops in on itself. So you have mountains and rivers made by spirits, sometimes even being spirits. Like there are mountain ranges in Australia that they believe are literally creatures from before time and space that just became manifest and turned into mountains, things like that. Hmm. So that's very important to understand first. The other commonality that you will see is the rainbow serpent. The rainbow serpent 
first of all, just think about the Milky Way. You know, it's a big, beautiful spiral of stars and light. And, mm-hmm. But in, incidentally, because of that core that it has, there's a dark streak there. So they believe that this being was probably a serpent and it created, gave birth to, most likely, another serpent, smaller than it, but still very big. And this thing came through the, during the dream time to the land and went underground where all the water holes and rivers run. And it's, it's kind of, it's a very complicated being. It's brilliant. It, it gives, you know, people healing powers. It's, it cures diseases, but it also kills people. It causes the rain, but so to define it as good or bad, it's totally beyond good and evil. It's something that transcends uh, what we would consider like to be a good or a bad deity. Oof, and this and, is getting deep. <laughs> and the reason why that's important is because there's a connection between the bunyip and the rainbow serpent. And I'll just jump right into the bunyip itself. So in Aborigine mythology, there is a creature that may or may not be descended or even be a rainbow serpent that lurks in the water holes and the creeks and the billabongs, which incidentally, I miss the clothing brand billabong. Does anybody remember that? I love those guys. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. But uh, when Europeans got here, they were like, they tried to fit it into their dichotomy of good and bad. And so hands down, they were like, this thing sounds bad. (laughs) This is a bad thing. So it's described as sort of being like a dog seal, um, but it varies a lot. Like it has projections from its body. It has a bill sometimes, kind of like a stingray's skeleton. Uh, just, I mean, weird stuff. Uh, in fact, I would go so far as to say that if any mythological creature could be compared to like Lovecraft, it would be this thing. Because it is it's not, creepy looking. Yeah, it does yeah. not look like something that you would normally see in like a typical like mythological description. It is. It doesn't look like a horsefish. That's for sure. It doesn't look like a snake. <laughs> it's just very different from anything that I. In some ways, I feel like it couldn't have been made up just because of that. Like, right. Well, it's it, the thing that gets me is that it varies like the way it looks in all these different pictures. It looks so different from yeah, picture to picture. Absolutely. And some of that could stem from the fact that, again, if it is connected to the rainbow serpent or is a the offspring of the rainbow serpent, then it could be a spiritual being. And as such, it manifests in the physical world in all sorts of different ways. And that could be one of the reasons hmm. for, for its odd physiology, because it's not an animal. It's it's more like a, a pre-matter being. It's a pre-Big Bang thing. It's ethereal, in other words. And so it's going to take on forms that are going to be a little bit beyond our comprehension, kind of like H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. And, and also, like the uh, uh, Rainbow Serpent, it's, it does neither good nor bad things inherently. It's, you know, you can't compartmentalize it. But there's a reason why when uh, when the West went to Australia, they were like, this is a bad thing, right? Is uh, Because <laughs> it does often kill people. And when it does, it, you know, it leaves claw marks and, and puncture wounds, very similar to, I don't know, a crocodile. <laughs> so, uh. so, yeah, I'm, I'm dropping some hints there as to what I think it might be. 
I mean, bear in mind, this is Australia. You know, there's the stereotype of it being like Monster Island. So, I mean, really, like if tomorrow they were like, we caught him, we caught a bunny. I'd be like, oh, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't really be like shocked or anything. Uh, But there's all sorts of peculiar little myths about them. Uh, Most of the time when people see them, they say it looks like a seal. And sometimes people claim uh, a smaller percentage that they have long necks and tiny heads. But the rest, it's like, it it didn't look like anything. Like, I can't compare it to anything at all. Um, And some of the the myths, at least the aborigines claim that it can swim, that it roars, it eats crawfish, which, you know, who doesn't want to eat crawfish? Uh, And it particularly tends to kill women and children, which, again, in a lot of myths, I think that's more or less a way to keep children from being near bodies of water but whatever yeah uh and one of the most interesting ones is claims is that they lay their eggs in platypus nests <laughs> so i don't know what that's about i don't know if it's like a cuckoo bird sort of thing going on where yeah. like they yeah brood parasitism but uh there's a lot of theories as to what it really is um and of course i don't buy into the swamp gas or seal with mange kind of stuff but it is important again to remember this is australia so a lot of unique life has evolved on Australia, and the like I said, the Aborigines have been there a long time. Well, this bear in mind, they don't have a written language, so they've passed on stories since time immemorial. Legitimately, they have had an oral tradition leading back to prehistoric times. So one theory is that their ancestors saw flipping dinosaurs, basically, and it just got passed <laughs> down. And when I say dinosaurs, I don't mean like legitimate reptiles. I mean the weird stuff that evolved on Australia, like gigantic marsupials, uh, nototherium, uh, diprotodon, weird, weird animals, at least by the rest of the world's uh, standards for what constitutes a normal animal. So these sorts of things could have been what was originally seen by Aborigines, and then it just got passed down. And, you know, they're still talking about it, even though it's more likely extinct. And a lot of fossils sort of confirm that because there are some, like I said, very odd creatures that evolved in Australia that are no longer extant to the the area or or to Earth at this point. Mm. So, yeah, really neat thing. And there's a lot of references to it, like in in Australia now. There are films about it. uh, There are songs about it. There's even a term, like if somebody in Australia dismisses something as like, you know, BS, they call it bunyip. Uh, like, you know, if somebody, yeah, if somebody's a charlatan, it's like, oh, he's a bunyip. <laughs> so, I'm going to start using uh, that. Yeah. And there was actually a dude named uh, Paul Keating, and he was, uh, <laughs> this was in the 90s, and he, he made fun of the uh, Liberal Party of Australia, which is incidentally a conservative party, uh, uh, their opposition kind of like here he called them bunyips and in the middle of the the 19th century (laughs) there was a like a bunch of australians were trying to sort of reestablish the aristocracy that britain had and they were called bunyip aristocrats so Hmm. i don't know it's just there's i really like the use of the term in modern parlance um but i also at the same time i think there's a fascinating connection and that's why i wanted to give that background between aborigine mythology, particularly the rainbow serpent and the bunyip. Like it's very plausible that the bunyip is a spiritual being, not a physical being. 
and that it is the offspring of the rainbow serpent. So that's just really cool to think about. I highly recommend people research Aborigine mythology and look at Aborigine art because it is some surreal stuff. Like drawings that attempt to explain the dream time. I don't know if there's anything in Australia that naturally contains DMT, but <laughs> there, there is, there's there's something going on here. Either it's It's fascinating. I mean, we're talking about the oldest religion on earth. We're talking about a 65,000-year-old belief system that still exists without a written language to pass it on. So, yeah, that's a rabbit hole you want to fall down. (laughs) That is nuts. (laughs) Well, I mean, all of us have time right now since we're all sitting at home. That's right. Yeah. Want to be an expert. Yeah, Alex is going to be an expert Mm. by the end of this week. (laughs) Okay. Um, James, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up this episode? Don't go swimming in billabongs. Hmm. No, don't go swimming in billabongs. Don't go swimming in the Mitslava River. You can go and look at the Bear Lake. All right. Are we ready, Alex? Let's do it. Are we going to draw, draw, draw? Pick one. Pick one? One. Next week, (laughs) we are talking about psychics and mediums. And this hmm. uh, this person who messaged us, her name is Dee Dee. That's I don't I don't know if she wants me to say her actual name, but she specifically wants to know about Amy Allen from the Dead Files. So I think we're gonna be talking about television mediums. Oh, yeah! So that'll be a fun episode. So I love me some mediums. I can't I, wait to talk about some bunyips. It could mean charlatan. I used to watch. Montel every Wednesday when I was younger so that I could see <laughs> Sylvia Brown. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. I loved her. All right. Montel. Yeah, Montel loves the Montel <laughs> show. That was a good show. All right. Mm. Well, I think that that's it for this episode. So until next week, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it, it straight. straight.